and we're spinning back to another crazy episode of 12 Monkeys. Tonight's episode, Resurrection, uh, I don't know if I have the words, it's it's crazy, so much going on. We had uh, Jennifer meeting Jennifer, Jennifer 2044 meeting Jennifer 2016, pretty mind-blowing moment uh, there. Uh, we have Ramsey, Dr. Adler, and Cassie breaking out, <clears throat> prison break style, uh, trying to get to the machine, you know, they want to splinter to Titan, they want to get to the witness, they, uh, they figure they kill him, and that pretty much saves everything, but, but the problem is, you know, you got the Red Forest, uh, hot on their tail, on everyone's tail, I mean, it's like, it's at the doorstep, as Katarina, uh, explains, but, uh, yeah, we're gonna get into this one, it's pretty crazy, it ends even crazier, and we only have two episodes left after this, so let's just jump into interviews. <clears throat> I'm your host, Pacing Pete, alongside always from the Flash Podcast, from Comic Book Resources, and from the Marvel Report. Please welcome Miss Lauren Gallery. What's up, Lauren? Hi. Yeah, this episode was off the chain. I think my favorite moments had to do with Deacon, but I think we'll get into that a little later on. Yeah, we will definitely get into that a little later on. And um, he's a fan of 80s music. Didn't know that. Now we do. Yeah, Jennifer and Deacon both are fans of the 80s. I love it. Um, now, I, I really like how the episode opened on Jennifer, 2044 Jennifer. She knew what was up. You know, Hannah runs into her uh, to, to where she is and, and, and tells her, you know, we got to get out of here. We, you know, the red storm's coming. And and I didn't copy it down verbatim, but she says something about the this the end is the beginning and the beginning is the end. Something to that effect. And, you know, it. she knows there's something upon them that is very dark, something that's going to affect everybody moving forward. But she also leaves hints that, there's still more to come. Uh, Lorna, what did you think of, of that? I mean, it's like a one or two minute opening, but there's so much said by Jennifer in that little bit. Yeah, Jennifer knows that she's going to die. She knows what's ahead. She doesn't necessarily know all the details of everything. Well, actually, based on what we saw at the end of the episode, maybe she does know the details. And it's interesting how you can prepare yourself to die if you know it's going to happen. And so I thought her conversation with, with Hannah or Zeit was was fascinating. Yeah, it was. And, and I didn't even know that uh, Hannah was still with the daughters. Like, I, I guess I just assumed that once it was revealed that Hannah was still alive, to Katarina, she would still be, she would actually be with Katarina. But maybe, maybe she's going back and forth. Um, it's never really clear ex explained, but it does make sense because, you know, I guess you wouldn't expect her to just right away go to Katarina when she's been following Jennifer her whole life. <clears throat> um, so we get to, you know, the beginning of the episode and, and Cole and, oh, I'm sorry, Ramsey and Cassie and, and Dr. Adler are starting to plan a bit of a, a, bit of a, a break from, from where they've been uh, kept. You know, they, they don't have any plans to sit around and do nothing. They very much want to get to the witness. They need to get to Titan, and they know Doctor Adler can get them there. They even talk about how they can uh, splinter to where he is, kill him, and then use his machine to splinter back. Now, I know we talked about this, Lauren, last week, or or maybe a week before, about 
splintering ahead, and, and you know, they haven't done that a whole lot outside of maybe the uh, the, the season finale of, of the first season. You know, when, when uh, Cassie splintered uh, uh, in time. What did you think of their plan to do this? And to, I mean, they're pretty much going out against everybody here. You know, it's hard to see the team divided, and yet at the same time, Ramsey and Cassie have such a personal investment in getting the witness because of, like, how he violated Cassie, and because of that violation, Ramsey's son was lost. And you can tell that people in this show make the biggest decisions based on their family. Like, Katarina essentially invented time travel to save Hannah. So it only makes sense that Ramsey would do whatever he could in the revenge of losing his son. Like, I don't like the fact that Cole and Jones are kind of on the opposite side of that. But I do think that it makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know, they, they clearly have their plans to go back to 1957, to find the last primary and prevent uh, the paradox from happening, otherwise everybody's dead. It doesn't matter about the red... I mean, everything just... Everything is done once this primary dies. You know, and so... We have two different agendas here. Trying to accomplish kind of something similar, but just going about it the wrong way, and it causes this huge divide, which, you know, like you said, we don't like to see. We love all these characters, so it's hard to watch them uh, pretty much uh, fighting against each other. Now, uh... Talking about Cole, you know, at the very end of this last episode, we saw, uh, not this episode, but the one prior, you know, we saw him just really hurt. He's betrayed by the two people who he probably loves the most, who he's got such a relationship with. And, you know, he, he locks him up because of the betrayal. But then, right, but, but, you know, not long after that, uh, you know, I think someone had got shot. I can't remember now, I'm forgetting. But, they needed Katarina to come help this person, and, you know, there, there's kind of a brief dialogue there between Cassie and Cole, and Cole says, you know, you can come with me, we can still, we can still stop this, and, you know, she quickly, you know, quips back with, you know, there, I thought you said there was no we, you know, which he did. Why do you think he's still reaching out to Cassie and having, you know, telling her, you know, you can still come back with me to help prevent this? Why do you think he's still throwing that out there to her. I think he he still loves her. I think, you know, it was very telling. Uh, what episode was it? I think it was the episode, episode seven, uh, where Cassie was taken over by the witness, where they kind of hold hands. And he tells her, maybe it's over the bonfire in the reboot, the restart episode, I can't remember. But he tells her, like, I'm doing this for you. Like, don't you know why I'm doing all of this? So I think he always wants to give her the benefit of the doubt, no matter what decision she makes against him. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, there still is that love for her there. You know, he cares for her very much. And he knows that in the end that this is all to save everybody, you know, to kill, allow her to have... You know, a life outside of, you know, when she was set to die, which is, I think, was... Is it 2018 that is her timeline? I think so, yeah. yeah. So he wants to save not just everybody, he wants to save her as well, and he, he makes that very clear. Now, you know, when we're having this whole uh, fight between Cassie Cole Ramsey and, and Katarina, 
right over the machine. Coleman's <clears throat> uh, a lot of help. He, there's nobody around. At least at this moment in time, it's him, Katarina, and as we learn, uh, Whitley, who turns his back on Katarina to join Ramsey and, and, and Cassie. Uh, so he's, you know, seeking out somebody, and he stumbles upon a drunk and naked Deacon. <laughs> Uh, and Deacon is, you know, you got a feel for him. You know, in the last episode, uh, Cassie basically said, you know, what we had was basically one night. And it just pretty much just tears him to shreds. He is what, you know, he's very much given up. He, he be, he's becoming like a wild card at this point, And that's pretty critical in these last few episodes. Especially someone like Deacon to have him so just like whatever. Whatever happens, happens. Um, what did you think of that scene? Uh, you know, it was hilarious to start off, but what did you think of, of how, you know, it came to Cole saying, I did not think it would take Cassie to, to bring you down? That was probably the funniest scene on the entire series of the show. One, I did not expect to see Todd Stashwick naked on the show ever. Um, you know, he's such a good sport for, for doing that. And the fact that he was singing, what was it? Don't you forget about me, yes, right? Yes, Isn't yeah. that the ending of, the like, the Breakfast Club? Club? Yeah. So iconic. And, like, on a totally, like, unrelated note, a few weeks prior to seeing this episode, or, like, the week prior... I watch Central Intelligence, which I don't know if you've seen that, but it has The Rock and it has Kevin Hart. And in the film, The Rock's favorite movie is Pretty in Pink. Oh, no, that's funny. Is it Pretty in Pink? Is no, it's Sixteen Candles, and okay. he has this like weird, he has this weird obsession with Molly Ringwald, and like there's all these mentions of these '80s movies, and so like. I, I went from watching Central Intelligence and then this episode was on and Todd Sashrick is singing this 80s song. I was like, wow, there's like something in the water. Everybody's talking about the 80s right now. It was just it was such a funny, like out of the way moment. But it's an appropriate moment because the last time we saw Deacon, he was staring into the void of the red forest outside on the balcony, thinking that Cassie was going to be gone for a year and pretty much resigning himself to say, you know, it's the end of the world as we know it. So all you, all you can do at that point is to drink, you know, and get belligerent and like, you know, yell a void. I just thought that was so funny. And like, I love how in that whole moment, when they all have the guns on each other in the time machine room, <laughs> Ramsey is like yelling at Deacon, Teddy, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh my God. Ramsey knows it how to so poke funny. the bear appropriately. He really does. Which, unfortunately, Jennifer had to pay for the price for that poking. And I loved how Jennifer touched his face like, where the scar was going to be, but it wasn't mm. there yet. Mm. Like, it's so weird to meet somebody out of time like that. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. Good catch, because I, you know, it's crazy how, you know, the, the moment uh, following that is when he gets the scar. Um, you know, and that's actually a good good way of, let's, let's hop on to the, the Jennifer topic for, for this episode, because there was a lot of Jennifer. There was double Jennifer. Um, you know, we talked about how, you know, her and Hannah opened the episode and, and we talked a little bit about, you know, how she knew what was going to happen. Um, but, you know, Cole goes, to, you know, we talked about how Cole was looking for help and found Deacon. 
And he had to go outside the facility. He had to go find Jennifer. And, you know, as Jennifer said, she's never said no to him. She's not She's not going to. Uh, like she says, self-preservance isn't her style. Um, and and it's, it's, it's really cool to see that. Just, you know, just that that bond between Jennifer and Cole. And then how she drops little kind of Easter eggs in there about how, you know, there's, you know, she mentions the adventures they've been on and the ones they haven't even been on yet. So, I mean, I kind of got excited about that. What did you think of that whole conversation, uh, Lauren, and how uh, it teased future things, but then it was almost like they were wrapping up this arc of 2044 Jennifer and, and, uh, and Cole. It was very sweet. It was very sweet for her to say goodbye and to know that she was at the end and yet know that she wasn't at the end. And it was interesting because the episode opened with that, that phrase of, um, I'm going to tell you a story that starts at the end and ends at the beginning. And I was trying to figure out what exactly that meant for Jennifer. And, you know, the episode was called Resurrection, but like I, I didn't see coming what they did at the end with deciding to bring young Jennifer into the future. I like, I didn't see that coming at all. And so, you know, for Jennifer and Cole to kind of say goodbye to each other, I thought was very sweet. And yet they still have so much to do. I mean, Jennifer was well in her, her sixties, maybe her seventies. And Cole is still so young. He's only in his thirties. So it's cool. Like, even though I like the Cole Cassie relationship, there's something very special with Cole and Jennifer that, like, whether they end up together or they're just really, 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 really good friends who have this kind of trust, I really enjoy Jennifer and Cole's relationship a lot. Yeah, it, it was. It's it's definitely one of the the lighter uh, relationships that over the course of the of season two and even season one, you could say, has change in a way that you probably wouldn't have thought even going back to the first episode, first or second episode when we get introduced to Jennifer um, and seeing how they interact. You know, it's just one of those things where it's it's turned into something that you didn't expect to happen and, and, and I and I think that's uh, been for the better. But unfortunately like in at least in this episode, um, 24, 2044 Jennifer and Cole, uh, that story has for now come to a close, but before that happened, you know, we had, you know, the Deacon accidentally shooting Jennifer. Um, and then when she shot, Jennifer tells Cole, go back and find me. Go to 2016 and bring me back. And I thought that was kind of cool what happened because when he does go back, he splinters back right back to where he had just left her just a couple episodes ago. What did you think of that? Because I remember, this is a meeting actually, I forgot to, I forgot to talk about this a couple episodes ago, was how... You know, when he said goodbye, he said, I'll see you soon. He really did come back, like, seconds later. What did you think of how that all tied in together? That was fantastic, because I think Jennifer says, you know, find me when I need my daughters. And so Jennifer had just lost all of her daughters in hyenas. They had all died in that explosion. So she's destitute. She's heartbroken. She is feeling like a failure. She feels like she, you know let all of her daughters down and Cole appears immediately. And I started crying in that moment because Jennifer was so just so broken over the loss of life. And then for her to be whisked away to the future, to be the mother to these daughters who just lost their mother, like 
that was perfect. I mean, that you you cannot line up storytelling better than that, in my opinion. No, I completely agree, and it, it's it was such a nice way to pick her up because if you remember in that episode, I mean, like you said, she was just completely broken from what had happened. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Cole helped with tried to help with bringing in the turtle, but he didn't know what he was going to be doing next, which was bringing her to twenty forty four. What did you think about how she entered twenty forty four and? And she was like a little kid on a ride. Oh, that, I, I, I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, that was perfect. I mean, like, regular people would, would probably get scared or nervous or freaked out. But Jennifer, she's a thrill seeker. Like, she sees adventure and everything. I loved that. Like, I loved her reaction to splintering. Yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. And actually, I now I remember uh, right before all this had happened, Jennifer walks up to uh, the machine and says, Hi, old friend. So, you know, even though we see Jennifer Splinter for the first time in, the, in her 2016 self, we know that uh, there's there's definitely something more there as far as Jennifer's story with the machine goes, if she called it old friend. I mean, there's got to be even more Splinter adventures ahead for Jennifer, I would imagine. Um so that was obviously a little bit teased, but what did you think of the of the talk between uh, the two Jennifers? And, you know, it was just, I thought it was a pretty surreal moment because you have one Jennifer who's still trying to find her purpose, is, is trying to find her way, uh, and then you have the Jennifer who, who she becomes, and, and she's content with where she's at. Her, she's content with this is the day she dies, and now trying to give what uh, knowledge and, 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 and her daughter is a way to, to her past. That was profound. That was, uh, that was so profound to, like, to witness and to experience because like, how would you say goodbye to yourself? And what would you tell yourself? And obviously Jennifer already knows what she told her younger self because she was told it like the version of Jennifer that's old at one point was young Jennifer and like she'd already watched herself die. Like, it's so weird. I love how she was like chicken egg. <laughs> like there is no, there's no linear relationships on this show. Like it's all a big circle. I, I thought that was very cool to see. And I, I liked, like I was waiting for them to readdress the idea that you can't come in contact with yourself because we know that when younger Cole was near older Cole, like, they both started to feel really sick. And sometimes time travel shows forget their own rules yeah. <laughs> and break them. And I was like, Jennifer's standing really close to her older self. But as she stepped closer, she started to feel it. I was like, okay, good. They didn't They didn't forget that little rule. Yeah, they didn't sweep it under the rug. You know, they could have... A show, a show can do that where it does forget... Luckily, they didn't here. I mean, they did get them close enough to where they did feel something, but but I was kind of treading a little bit there, a little bit of a, a worried moment there, but a a very nice moment I thought between Jennifer and her and her older self. Just it was it was a nice. Uh, I thought it was really cool of 2016 Jennifer to see what she becomes. That she's in charge of a group of girls like she was in Hyenas. Um, just really cool to see. You know, uh, and, and in that moment, you know, Jen, 2044 Jennifer tells her older, her, her younger self, you know, take the daughters, you know, take the fight to them, because I never could. You know, Jennifer even asked her, you know, why, you know, you never did this? She said, no, I never, I never could. I, 
I couldn't do it. And and now she is now her her past self is doing that. She's you know Jennifer is getting a second chance for her younger self to fix whatever she did wrong. Um, and and helping Cole and and, and helping even Ramsey uh, achieve what they want to do, you know. And and she comes right back and and she says, you know what, we're we're going to Titan. We're taking the daughters. We're joining you guys, and 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 we're we're gonna make this happen. What did you think of this of this newly formed alliance that seems extremely shaky, but they all have one common goal? It seems like it all worked out, and it was interesting that originally Ramsey and Cole wanted to use the time machine to splinter sideways to Titan so they wouldn't have to travel, and now Jennifer is proposing the idea that no will drive you to Titan, which frees up the time machine for Cole to go back to 57. Like, I didn't, I didn't see that happening. I thought there was going to be more kind of a fight over the time machine, but I think because Jennifer was killed in that original fight, that they were almost like, we need to lay our weapons down and kind of make a compromise. So I think it was very cool how they decided to do that. And, you know, it's worrisome because the storms are out there, but if anybody can navigate them, I think the daughters can, because they've always lived off the grid, in a way. Yeah, they, they, they very much have. Um, you, know, let's, you know, we talked about how Jennifer dies, um, let's just get into uh, some character death issue here because um, I don't think we expected uh, we expected to lose two characters in one episode, and that happened at the end of this episode. You know uh, when you know we have uh, Ramsey and and Cassie uh, and the daughters heading out to Titan, you know to take their, take on the witness. And, and Cole just splintered back to 1957. Um, oh, okay, let me let me just make sure no one gets lost here. Of course, that, following that, that's when Cassie decides she wants to go with Cole. She does splinter back with him. But after that happens, uh, Katarina's left. You know, it's it's. I mean, I think Hannah stayed with her for a little bit, but then they were they were separated because of the storm, and they couldn't get through it because, at least from what we were seeing, some of the characters that were getting hit by this were just evaporating. It was just causing them to just completely disappear. I mean, they were dead. And at the very end of that whole scene, we see Katarina with the machine, just preparing for it to happen. What do you think of losing not just one, but two characters? And and how moving forward, do you think that this is something to worry about with these characters that we love so much? You know, I, I don't think Katarina is going to die. I think that Cole is... Either Cole's going to be successful in stopping the Paradox in the next episode, or they are going to find Titan, and that... I mean, I don't think Katarina's dead. Like, it was hard to watch her get enveloped by the Red Forest energy, but I think she'll be fine. Like, I'm not worried about Katarina at all. Are, are you worried at all that... I mean, we lost 24 to Jennifer. Do you, are you worried that we could lose anyone else? Um, yeah, I mean, there's only two episodes left, so I think that people could die that will be dead, like, for a while. Because we lost Aaron in the finale of season one, 
So it's possible that we could lose somebody in season two. But I don't think we'll lose Katarina. I don't think they would have brought her daughter back just to kill her three episodes later. To me, Katarina is a main character of the show. Um, you know, she's she's like Captain Picard from Star Trek. You, you can't can't take her off the show. But we could lose some secondary characters. Like maybe Deacon, maybe... Um, even Adler. Uh, maybe some of us, the soldiers. Yeah, maybe Adler. I think we could lose somebody. But it seems like they need Adler to program the machine a lot. So maybe not. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, maybe maybe Whitley. You know, I mean, there's just there's so many ways that these things can go that you just never know. And, and you know, these shows like this like to surprise us the very last minute, just when we think we have things figured out. And I think we've said this before. Just when we have things figured out, you know, they turn the tables on us and, oh, no, this is something completely different that's happening. Um, but, yeah, I, I do agree that, you know, she probably she's probably not dead, even though we did see her get involved by the storm. Um, you know, uh, Cole and Cassie are in 1957 uh, trying to find the last primary, and, and Ramsey and the daughters are, are off to find the witness. So they've got two shots at this. You know, it's not like they're putting all the eggs in one basket. Uh, it's just uh, all eggs in two baskets, and you know we can only hope that 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 they accomplish their missions without any harm, because it's going to be crazy. We know that the witness isn't going to be someone that's going to sit there and just lie down and and, and get defeated. Um, now, what did you think of of Cassie's last minute reaction to jumping out of the car uh, as she was riding with Ramsey? You know, she's on her way to, to Titan. You know, she was a big part of that plan, but she changes her mind. She jumps back into the machine, she splinters back to meet Cole, and she ultimately does meet up with him. What did you think of, of her decision and how that played out? That was the best. Besides Deacon singing and being hilarious, that was the, my favorite moment of this episode. Because Cassie realized that her love for Cole outweighed her revenge her need for revenge on a witness. Like she had been so consumed by her revenge, but the second she realized that her revenge was putting her at odds with Cole, she couldn't do it. And I loved how that was all slow motion and there was like music set over it. And it was like her getting out of the car and slow mo running to Katarina. And like, she didn't even need to say anything to Katarina. Katarina knew, yes, Cassie, you are going back with Cole. Like, this is where you're meant to be. I love that was so powerful. I love that. And like, she's choosing love over revenge, which is what she needed to choose. But like, she couldn't be told that she had to like experience the loss herself, which means Ramsey and Jennifer are going to have to deal with the witness next week, which I think will be really interesting because Jennifer's so young like, she's not, I don't know if she'll know how to handle it. So I think that means it'll be up to Ramsey how that goes down. Yeah, and I think another thing we're going to get to see next week, too, with Jennifer especially, is how she is with the daughters. You know, these are daughters who just, they've been following the other Jennifer, the older Jennifer, their whole lives. And it'll be interesting to see if they can just make the switch and just be like, oh, this is a leader, she's just younger. Um, do you think it'll be easy for them to, do you think they'll, they'll just be like, okay, we're going to follow her, or do you think there's going to be some pushback there? 
I think there's going to be a lot of pushback because these women are ruthless. They've lived off the grid. They have a code which, you know, the way that Deacon had a code with the West 7 may not be something that we would consider the best or the most humane. But that's just how they've adapted to their surroundings and their lifestyle. And Jennifer, up until the day before, she probably had an iPhone and could watch the news and was used to, like, eating normal food and sleeping in a bed and, like, used to creature comfort. She has been kind of desensitized or traumatized by that lifestyle yet. So she's not going to have like the tenacity and the fortitude to lead them. I think we'll definitely see a riot or some sort of uh, mutiny next week for sure. Yeah, it'll definitely make things interesting. And, and the fact that they have to team up and, and we'll really come together to fight the witness, you know, hopefully they can work past any issues they have because in the end, if they don't do this, everyone's dead. It doesn't matter. They can be as mad as they want at each other. If they don't complete their goal, um, it's pretty much all over. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, too, you know, there was something that happened earlier in the episode. Uh, and it was actually during when Deacon and Cole were talking. And, you know, it was, Cole was convincing Deacon to pretty much, you know, just, you know, get over it, you know, move on, uh, you, you need to help us so we can get the machine back. And, and I, I think I copied it down. Uh, Deacon responded back to him with, Jesus, you even sound like him. And Cole said, who? And he said, my baby brother. Do you think that was, do you think that was more of just one of those kind of moments that uh, a character has where someone he's kind of grown, grown, uh, grown close to has reminded him of somebody he was close to at one point in his life? Or... Is there something more to this baby brother thing? Honestly, I don't know. That kind of threw me a little bit. I'm not sure what to think about that. Yeah, I just, I, I, I heard that, and, you know, sometimes writers like to, you know, hide little Easter eggs through dialogue and uh, and then through story uh, for us to, to kind of, you know, chew on. And, and that that caught my eye, because that's not... It, it was. It was. It seemed like it was kind of highlighted a little bit. Like there was. A, it, it's not going to be one of those throwaway things. At least for me, it didn't seem like that. Um, now, uh, what did you think of? Um, you know, when Ka I know we just talked about Cassie and Cold Moon in 1957. She. The last line in the show is Cassie saying to, to Cole, uh, "I don't want to be afraid anymore." What did you think of that and how it's going to play a part in how she helps uh, Cole going forward in these last couple episodes? I think, you know, Cole really laid into her pretty strongly that she had let herself be compromised by the witness. And it was kind of a cold thing to say. I think he said something like, you let him in. Like, he kind of put the blame on her. But I think it was kind of like kicking the you know, kicking the pants that Cassie needed in a way because she was still living in fear of the witness. And, like, it's normal for someone who's been traumatized to still be afraid of the person who hurt them. But I, I think that she, like, she thought her revenge would give her power over the witness, but what's really giving her power is her ability to let the witness go. And I think that's what Cole is trying to put his finger on. Like, you can hate the person who did this to you, but they're still controlling how you feel. And if you want to, like, actually move forward and get past what happened to you, you actually have to be brave enough to, like, move forward. And I think that, like, 
that was part of Cassie's decision-making was choosing to go with Cole because she loves him and because she didn't want the witness to control her decisions anymore. I think it was twofold. Like, Cassie finding her courage again and, like, her will and her agency and her wanting to be with Cole. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I completely agree with everything you just said. You know, and like you said, she, it's everything. It's like what Cohen said to her about you know, kind of putting the whole blame of the witness, getting in, uh, getting in uh, on her. It, it, maybe I was the kick in the pants she needed. You know, sometimes characters are so stuck on one thing, uh, kind of like how Ramsey just has right now tunnel vision for the witness that they need to be reminded certain things and, and getting back to their mission at hand. Um, now, before we, we uh, close up for the night. Uh, did you have anything uh, in particular, you, uh, anything else you enjoyed about tonight's episode? I think we covered it. Uh, I thought Deacon was hilarious. I thought it was profound that Jennifer got to meet herself. Uh, you know, I didn't like seeing the tension between Ramsey and Cassie and, and Cole and and Jones. But at the same time, I like how they were able to come to a place where they could do both. Like, it didn't have to be one or the other, do or die, we're going to die in front of this machine. Kind of the way that the season finale played out in season one. Like, I like that they were able to say, okay, you guys go this way, we go this way. Technically, we have a year to figure all of this out. So I think next week is going to be really interesting because it'll probably take an entire year to tell that story. And if Jones... I mean, if Jones is dead, that means she'll have been dead for almost a whole year if they can fix it at the end of the year to, like, bring her back. So that'll be weird. We might not have Jones next week, which will be, I don't know. I like her. I, I, I hope she's around somehow. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is going to be weird not having Katarina there to, to, uh, to guide everybody. Um, but, you know, they, they venture off on these missions. They know exactly what they're going to do. Um, let's just let's just hope uh, they they work out in the end because it's going to be pretty intense when when uh, if if they even come face to face with the witness who knows uh, they still get it through all that terrain to get there it's going to be crazy uh, but uh, I did really enjoyed this episode I thought it was really good uh, I I thought it was a nice lead into the for the final two episodes you know we're going to get to see Cassie and Cole back. In 1957, another period piece uh, episode, but it's not going to be all fun and games. They they are going to be dead set on their mission and accomplishing it, and hopefully no messengers get in the way, because that's pretty much the only thing that can pretty much stop them from completing their mission. So, <clears throat> so yes, Resurrection, amazing episode. Uh, it's things are only going to get crazier. These last two episodes, I can't believe this one. Two episodes left. I mean. Ah, I, I don't know. How, how are you feeling with only two episodes left? Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that Cassie and Cole will be able to stop the paradox, like, somehow. But I'm more worried about Titan, because Jennifer said it all ends in death. And she would know, because she's on her way there right now. So, of course, my hope is that the witness is unmasked. And we finally get to see who the witness is. I mean, that might be like a season three or a season four type reveal. But I feel like this whole season has been about the witness. And I kind of want to see who it is. I'm wondering if it's somebody we already know. Like, 
Cassie or Cole or Ramsey or somebody that has been so warped by time that they like become the villain in their own story. I think that would be really interesting. But yeah, I'm worried that we're gonna lose people at Titan. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I I think Jennifer has always said that there's nothing but death there that that leads there. So, oh, it's scary. It's it's as it should be. Is in a show like these two episodes has us just clinging on, just you know. Up into those final minutes, which we're going to get in just a couple more episodes, but who knows what's going to happen next week when the team goes to Titan and Cassie and Cole look for that final primary. It's going to be it's going to be nuts. So that is going to do it for our, <clears throat> our show tonight. We really hope you enjoyed it. We really enjoyed Resurrection. It was good stuff. Like I said, can't say it enough. Um, all right, uh, Lauren, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you at? You guys can find me on social media at Lauren Galloway on Twitter. You can also find me regularly contributing to comicbookresources.com. And I'm also a co-host on the Flash podcast, and I oversee the Marvel Report. And we will be at San Diego Comic-Con this summer. So if you guys are heading to San Diego, please come say hello. And you can find me at PacingPete on Twitter. You can find this show at Scene and Nerd on Twitter. You can find us on the feed. You can go to the GWW.com. Find any past episode of Splintering Back, recapping every episode of Season 2. Well, that is going to do it for now. Uh, until next time, have a good evening. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks, assemble!